Back in November, uh, one Aaron Rodgers uh, said that if the NFL really cared about player safety, then perhaps they should consider ponying up and changing all deals to grass surfaces. Well, Aaron Rodgers is going to play 14 games this year on turf. And when you are approaching 40, that is much tougher on your knees, on your hips. And as we saw last year, it can be really difficult. We saw Von Miller go down, saw Rayshon Gary go down. Quite a few players last year really raised concerns. It, it was very, very prominent. And I know that there was new turf laid at, at MetLife, or what did you just say, Brian? He's calling it JetLife. Um, even still, it's it's still turf. It's not grass. I think that is just something to, to keep an eye on. Welcome to the Irish NFL show week one. It's Jock Salauer, as you might say, Osquelga. And that, of course, was uh, Cork's own Nostradamus, Colin Cronin. Uh, predicting what would happen. We've been pushing out the clip on social today. Although I have one slight bone to pick with a com. He didn't play 14 games on turf. The poor man only managed to play four snaps in the end. But you, you quite rightly called uh, the massive risk, unfortunately. And, you know, not to make light of it, it's a, it's a terrible injury for, for Aaron Rodgers and, and what it does for the for the Jets season. Um, ruptured Achilles or torn Achilles. Uh, that's pretty much a season-ending injury, although there has been some kind of optimistic talk later on in the day or as the day progresses from people wishing that Aaron Rodgers are saying wish casting that he could get back before the end of the season but that really seems uh, very unlikely and um, given the, the the extent I mean the, the video is is gruesome watching when you see that the close-up you can literally see and apologies to anyone watching us live now on YouTube or maybe of a sensitive disposition or listeners listening to us back uh, to a recording later you can see the ripple the calf ripple as I think it's been dubbed now um as the, the Achilles snaps, and that is uh, a, a terrible way to end Aaron Rodgers' first game after four snaps for the Jets and what it does for the Jets' season, I guess we will get get into now. Colin, we have to give you the first word since you were the one who called out the risk, and unfortunately, you go all in on a 39-year-old quarterback, oldest player in the league. There's always that heightened risk of injury, but nobody would have ever predicted it would happen this way, and it's so unfortunate, particularly for the Jets, because this is how the Brett Favre experience ended as well. You know, albeit at least that they got rolling under Favre before his injury kind of derailed their season. They also saw it happen in week one with Vinny Testaverde back in the day. Same injury. Like, that's the kind of thing that really does reinforce the idea that your team is cursed. Yeah, and, and look, I, I hate the fact that Aaron Rodgers is, is down for the season and the reality gives he's approaching 40 it's an Achilles injury will we ever see him in, in the league again uh, people can wish cast all they want but life is not a Disney movie and uh, I didn't have to be Nostradamus to predict this because everyone's been talking about the issue uh, of turf for ages and kind of you point out like how much they spent in draft capital and in the contract to bring him across but then the owners do so little to protect their players, right? We give players so uh, so much grief for making a business decision. Owners make business decisions all the time. And this has been a really bad day for owners in the league, obviously with the Jim Trotter um, news around his lawsuit. We'll have to see how that plays out. But players have been calling to play on grass fields for years now. And how many more injuries is it going to take? This is a multi-billion dollar league, right? Where we saw chains break again on Sunday and now we have lost one of the all-time greats and what would have been an intriguing storyline to see how it was going to play out over the, the course of the season. I, I hope 
this might be the catalyst for for change. I don't know if it will be, but you have to feel for Rodgers. You have to feel for Jets fans, the excitement that was palpable there. And um, as uh, I've said on the show before, and as Ned Flanders is fond of saying, it puts them in a delay of a pickle. Certainly does, Brian. Um, MetLife, uh, no longer JetLife uh, after that. It's, it certainly seems that's uh, that's a, a a real land in in every sense for the uh, for the crosstown rivals. Obviously, we will get to the Giants as as we 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 go to their particular uh, season opener. But do we have we, to? Yeah. <laughs> eventually, we'll get there. We'll get to the Bears too. We didn't exactly we weren't exactly living it up either. But um, it, the occasion with everything that went with it. It's it's the anniversary of nine eleven. Rogers runs out with the American flag. There's the flyover. There, there's everything that goes with that somber occasion in the U.S. Um, and everything was set up for 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 a grandstand game against the Bills. Like it couldn't really have been a better season one opener. It's a desperate way for for it to for it to get started. However, the way the, the way the game unfolded afterwards, I think, told us a lot about the the quality of what's in that Jets locker room and what's in the, what's in the coaching positions led by Rob, Robert Sala. I thought they responded incredibly well at adversity at, at all levels. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I thought that was a game which the Bills are large parts of like they were comfortable in. But again, it kind of, like uh, we kind of discussed during our off-season stuff around if Robert Sala would be under pressure because of the nature of the team and planning and wish to put together this year. But the, you know, even after the game, you see so many interviews and some of the players were quite outspoken and obviously there's been a lot of beeps on some of the coverage which we saw today but again it just shows how much they want to play for this particular head coach and in a way it's a the story's kind of lost in a sense but it was a unique story in the end that the that the, the winning touchdown is from a, a guy who was an undrafted selection you know wasn't selected properly in the draft nearly didn't make the panel if it wasn't for the players getting injured and he goes and scores the winning touchdown it's um, it's a great story and that's it in a sense but we put out a social tweet today saying how do Jets, feel, Jets fans feel today? Is it a conflict of interest in the sense of you lose your quarterback yet you find a way to beat the Bills? Um, you know, it's so it's a difficult one today. I just want to just jump back to the side you're on there. Around. No one's a winner in this instance. Like, and I mean that from across the league in terms of fans because like, the storyline of Aaron Rodgers playing for the Jets this year would have been great. We would have loved it. We would have spoke about it all throughout the course of the season where they would have made the playoffs, you know, if they would have won the game last night and so on. The Packers aren't going to be a winner now. They don't get that first round pick that they thought they were in empty with sixty five percent of the of the of the play this year, you know, resulting in the first round pick. Now it's a second. They don't win, and the Jets fans ultimately don't win. And the the Argentine one, believing what you said earlier, we are course today. And just one final point on the game: the Bills, Josh Allen, for me, just doesn't seem like the Josh Allen of old. Got him right. He got there today. He plays with his head on fire at times, and and if I got that sense last week. He just didn't seem to be in control of the game, even when it looked like they were caught. But he chose three interceptions. Some suggestions today that he should have been taken out of the game and looked at for a potential concussion, which was waved off and wasn't really looked at. And you'd ask, was he really, was he really under center or not? Like, was even the fumble? Something just seems a bit off. I don't know if it's the again we keep referring back to Brian Dable not being there anymore and things have changed for him. I'm not necessarily saying that's the reason. It just doesn't seem like the Josh Allen that we we saw a couple of years ago. Maybe I'm too early in the season being, being, and I'm being a bit judgmental but something strikes me as a bit odd with the Bills at the moment because that was a game they should have really won Colin before we move on there's so many other things to talk about from what was a really exciting week one even, even as week one's going we're all kind of jumping into week one overreaction mode because there's there's, there's so much that you could, you could overreact to react and overreact to um, 
one of the only, and I use the word advisedly, winners and all this is is Zach Wilson, who's going to be the guy now who has to carry the carry the franchises. And who, to be fair to him, and at times he looks like how you feel when you wake up from one of those dreams where it's your leaving cert again. He, last season, he looked like a panicked child on the field at times. But like he bounced back from adversity, as Salah said after the game. He didn't blow up after he had the interception. And ultimately, he led the Jets to win that game under the most incredible pressure he must ever, ever have faced in his life. Uh, yeah, well, he can thank uh, Garrett Wilson. And uh, I got plenty wrong in week one, but uh, I, I, Garrett Wilson uh, basically intercepting uh, the pass that uh, he, he threw straight to the Buffalo Bills cornerback. Uh, talk about bailing out uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, when you watch, I mean, the the only thing that might make watching Zach Wilson play, if he does play the remainder of the games, and I you, you hear that they're already making phone calls, so let's see. But if we can watch Peyton Manning watch Zach Wilson, because if people out there haven't seen the Manning cast of Peyton and Eli watching it, and Peyton losing his mind at how Zach Wilson approaches playing, uh, I, I that was that was entertainment gold. I don't think Zach Wilson will be the long term answer there. They have too much invested in this. They're all in. Um, I, I think they'll look to to bring somebody in, and yeah, they they got it done. But I would say they got it done because Josh Allen, uh, who I tip for MVP, uh, lost his mind, and uh, I would agree with Brian. He he looked terrible last night. Now this could be that he has a Trevor Lawrence-like moment. He goes away, he reassesses, because he has been playing. Um, and I heard um, a great uh, phrase on the Ringer podcast uh, during the, the week, which was, he plays uh, like it's the fourth quarter of the, uh, the Super Bowl. He has the, the ball to win, and he's down by six points. He forces everything. And he was just chucking it down last night. Like, uh, some of the plays, if you saw Dawson Kincaid was open. Chris, Chris Sims and Mike Flurry will call it, call it the 14-point play. He's always after the 14-point play. But... Yeah, it's a it's a good way of putting it. That he has got to sort that out. Yeah, at the same time, though, you can't coach the Josh Allen out of Josh Allen. Like, he's Kevin Costner in Tink Cup. Josh Allen doesn't lay it up. He takes the big stick out of the bag and he tries to carry the water every time. And that, that's what makes him so incredibly watchable. I... I Wonder though, Brian, to your point, like he got rocked when 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 he threw one of those interceptions. He really took a bad hit, and you know, you can look for a moment with the TV cameras cameras in your face when they catch that reaction shot. But he looked dazed as, as he got back up. You would think in other sports that would have been some kind of HIA or or some kind of moment to reflect and and make sure he was okay. It's 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 worrying when something like that happens. Let's hope there was nothing to it, but it definitely seemed to affect his performance as the game went on. Um, speaking of performance, like obviously there's lots of great ones to look at from from the weekend. Colin, you mentioned Garrett Wilson there. For anyone who hasn't had a chance to look at that that catch in detail, like that should be, in my opinion, where you start looking at your your highlights of the week. I mean, to your point, Colin, it's thrown to the cornerback. It looks like Wilson somehow manages because he he has his, his thumb pointed down towards his hand. His, his hand has to be in an unnatural position to get it away from the cornerback. It almost looks like he stops the ball in midair. And then as he falls to the ground, he has to juggle it because of the, the awkward position he lands in and, and somehow manages to reel it in. It's a combination of David Tyree and Julian Edelman and whatever other crazy catch you've ever seen in your life, all, all wrapped into one one highlight reel moment. But so many other highlights from the weekend, guys. Brian, um, Tua was unbelievable for the Dolphins against the Chargers. We said this game would be, would be a shootout and it absolutely lived up to expectations. 
466 yards, three touchdowns. It's just unbelievable. Um, I made a mistake of picking the Chargers. Bonehead. Like, what was I thinking? I said the game would play out exactly as, as, as it did, as it transpired, and it would come down to a field goal. But then the Chargers found ways to mess things up. Uh, 146 left, two, two timeouts. Callum Moore's the new offense coordinator. He's the, he's the golden job now. He's the answer. This is, this is bread and butter for him, isn't it, to find the way of putting this team? We did a live show last January before uh, you joined, uh, Connor, uh, in which I questioned if Callum Moore should be still in, in Dallas and then the following day he was he was removed from the position. But everybody's been lighting him up just this offseason and uh, thought that was a chance for him in that particular game to make a point. It didn't play out, but the Chargers did what the Chargers do. They play beautiful games, very exciting to watch. Justin Herbert looks fantastic. Still find ways to show it away. Maybe I've been a bit disrespectful on the Dolphins because the Dolphins looked like they were gone and they found a way to come back to it. This was the two we saw at the start last season. I hope it continues because he's great to watch. It's great to see Tyreek Tyree Hill. And Brandon Staley decides that he's just going to go zone and marking on Tyreek Hill for large parts of the game and leaving safeties exposed. Just so it doesn't make any sense to me. But great game and two is off to a great start. And it'll be interesting to see if they can if the Patriots can slow them up on Sunday in Sunday night football because I know we'll come to but they slowed up Jalen Hurst to, to a large extent of that game. So and the chick would probably be already steaming against this, this attacking-minded Dolphins offense. Tua was amazing, as you say, uh, Brian, but Colin, like, there's so much more to that Dolphins offense as well. Like, it wasn't just hit Tyreek and, and, and Jalen Waddle and watch them do their stuff. Like, Berrios got involved. There was the the, the tight end, Smite. Uh, Craycraft is another guy who, who who got into the mix. Like, Tua knows how to use all the weapons at, at, at his disposal, um, including Mostert, who was also a great option for them during the game. It's 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 a, it's a compelling mix, and it makes for compelling viewing when when it. Yeah, look, I, I thought this was the two best offensive sides of the weekend going up against one another. I think if the Chargers had played anyone else, they probably would have won. But they ran in to an absolute buzzsaw, and this is where Week One is interesting, right? Because guys get to scheme for you know the whole of. The, the summer, right? You know what you're going to face. And Bill Belichick came up with a plan to really slow the, the Eagles. And Mike McDaniel got to spend all, uh, you know, over the, the summer scheming up what he was going to do. And he, I mean, he, he they were brilliant. They came at the Chargers from all angles and it was so difficult. And I don't know, uh, uh, like in that game on Sunday, could any defense have have lived with them what they were were doing? And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it how it goes. I hope to it can stay healthy. But I just I suppose something to to note is like I, I look back to you know week one of twenty twenty two, and obviously the Bills stormed out of the block last year. Uh, the Commanders beat the Jags last year. The Buccaneers absolutely dominated the Cowboys, right? The Cowboys scored three points in that game. The Bucs would go on and Leonard Fournette was incredible. Well, Leonard, uh, Lenny would go on to have a disastrous season. The Bucs only won seven more games and the Cowboys won 12. So week one can can be a bit of a false dawn at times. But if this Dolphins team can continue um, the way they started, nobody is going to uh, look forward to playing them. 
Brian, week one last year, the Bears beat the 49ers. They did not even get close to beating the Packers this year. And I suppose one of the performances we have to talk about on the weekend and something, something which I feared from us in the offseason. It turns out Jordan Love is actually pretty good. Or is he? He was he was good and man, he man, I tell you, he managed the game quite well. I don't, I don't think he was off the charts quite the way some of the Packers fans have been suggesting since Sunday. And I, I can understand, you know, when you wait seven months and, you know, inevitably... From that, let's be fair. We knew from an hour's part of the off season, Aaron Rodgers was moving on, and Jordan knows your guy. But I didn't think too. He missed some players at times that were wide open. But like you, you, it was a good start from. Let's be fair. Like it's a, they come into. I think they ran into a nice opening game. With all due respect to, to Bears fans, that didn't play out in the manner that a lot of people felt. They thought it'd be a really close game, which was kind of consistent with the odds were for the game that like we spoke about on our live show. The Bears were slight favourites in a point, but. For me, it is the question mark coming out of this game is Justin Fields, and I know it's very early in the season. And Collins right called out that the narratives are already out there. We saw an asterisk about who was better at the end, but I didn't see Justin Fields on suddenly any way improved to what we saw last year. I thought he was clumsy with the ball at times, you know, you know, in terms of the fumble, the interception to the Walker, which was returned for the pick six. Um, and again, it's back to the offensive line again for the Bears, unfortunately. There was a play in the first half which kind of summed up the Bears. I think we spoke about it briefly yesterday. The entire offensive line got called for a false start. I mean, that's a rarity in the NFL. They just, they were so inconsistent. I know you've rightly called it out in the lead up to players were injured and it looked like it was all patched back together again. Just didn't seem to be anyway, anyway improved from where we were in last year. And it's, question marks going to be there for just a feels all year long. And the scheming on the offense, and you can probably come to better than I can because uh, you were scrutinizing a little bit more, Connor, but for DJ Moore to only be looked at, and there's two two plays, and two plays in which he went off for some good yards. You think that's working? Let's continue with that. And then they just got, they got away from very early on, which is strange in my opinion. Well, look, as, as Colin was saying, you have the whole off season to scheme for for one game. You had both Luke Getzey and Alan Williams. I thought, you know, having a really bad day at the office week one. Alan Williams didn't scheme up a single blitz against. Jordan Love, a quarterback starting only his second game. You've got to put young guys in the or put guys in the in the young rookie's face. You know, make him beat you. Uh, he he did beat the Bears, but he certainly wasn't put under any great duress while he was doing so. So to your point, Brian, it's kind of hard to gauge how good Jordan Love actually is. And um, from a Bears perspective, then the the offensive game plan was very strange. You know, no real evolution from what we saw last year, and maybe that was because the offensive line, unfortunately, not only with any of the new faces doesn't seem to have taken any steps forward, but one of the guys who actually was a decent performer last year, Braxton Jones, alarmingly, and I know it's on the basis of an absurdly small sample size and only one game, but seemed to have taken a bit of a step back. He had a really, really rough outing, and you know, you had all these kind of tight end screens which didn't quite come off. Yes, as you say, DJ Moore only targeted twice. He, he 50 yards on those two completions. You know, surely you got to try and work the ball down to him, and you're putting Justin Fields in places where he's run for his life, he's scrambling, he's at times again making bad decisions, but again, how much of that is down to the fact that he's just not getting any type of consistent protection or, or whether it's just that he's developed bad habits and he hasn't been able to progress. And we'll see as the season goes on, but for Bears fans, it's plus a change, plus qui reste la même chose, so it's, uh, it, it, it's a big concern heading into week two. Although, as you said, Colin, when we are talking about how we can overreact to week one, Bears looked like they were sitting pretty this time last year. The 49ers were uh, miserable leaving a very wet soldier field and you know one of those two teams ended up in the NFC Championship game and the other one ended up with the number one overall pick in the draft and um, 